0: all right well i have the master control right up here so if you all start falling asleep i can turn myself up or if i start boring myself i can turn myself down (laughs) Uh, okay they already got me on preaching mode that's good all right good morning everyone it's great to be back uh Those don't know me, I'm Robert Phillips. I'm the guest speaker today. (laughs) So uh, it's great to be here uh, and preaching the word of God again today with all of you all. Great to love to be here. So uh, don't forget to keep preacher in prayer this week. Uh, He has a revival Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday there in Arizona. It's in your bulletin there. And just make that a special matter of prayer those three days that uh, uh, God will just give him the guidance and the utterance, the words to speak. Uh, that uh, that the Holy Spirit will move there in Arizona, and he'll be a great uh, uh, encouragement uh, to the people there. So keep that in prayer. There, we're going to turn to Acts chapter one. Uh, we're looking at the book of Acts, and we've been asking the quest, answering the question about uh, now what? Now what? After the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what comes next? Uh, you know, what's the answer to that question? You know, in, in the work that uh, Jesus is doing here in His church. After 2,000 years here, uh, it, it's still exciting, I hope, uh, of the things that's going on here. Uh, we studied this morning that Acts is just the beginning of this story. It gets to chapter 29, kind of leaves us hanging, and we are the continuation of that story, and we should be excited about that. You know, we're Acts chapter 129, you know, <laughs> of the story of Acts. You know, we're, we're the continuation of the plan that God started here in Acts chapter 1 here Um uh, we looked at the disciples this week, and and, uh, and we're going to continue to to this morning and tonight about the the uh, events that followed the resurrection here. Uh, We're going to see how they went through and and the things that happened in their lives and how that relates to us today as we go through our lives and we live our lives and God works through us and through this church to get his message out. And today we're going to look at a wonderful promise uh, that God has made for us in in Acts chapter one here. Not like the promise of the young lady that uh, her husband came home at eight o'clock and and she tells her husband, says, you know, you promised that you would be home at three o'clock And now it's eight o'clock. So why didn't you keep your promise to me? And he hung his head. And honey, I'm I'm sorry, but you know we got to the eighth hole of the of the green there, and and poor old Fred, you know Fred, he just dropped dead. He just dropped dead right out there in the middle of the green. And and, but she says, but honey, when when you promised, you you said you would be here by three, and I understood you would be here by three. Why didn't you keep your promise? And he looked up at his wife and said, well, honey, you don't understand. Once Fred dropped dead, the game really slowed down. For the rest of the game, it was hit the ball and drag Fred. And hit the ball and drag Fred. Okay, that didn't go over too good. <laughs> Not like that promise. God has made us a promise, and God will keep that promise. He's faithful to keep those promises, and we're going to look at those promises. As we look at Acts chapter 1, and we're going to start with verse number 9. Says, and when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, uh, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye here gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus which is taken up from you in heaven shall so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for, for this precious book, the Bible, that we have and the words that you have penned here and spoken to us to help and guide our lives, to strengthen and encourage us. Lord, I pray today that you'll uh, uh, just empower me to speak the words that the Holy Spirit would have me to speak or that there'll be the words that will be encouragement, that they, he will use those words uh, to, to touch each life here today and touch them in a small way uh, that they need to be, be touched today. Lord, just to help us uh, to, to hear your word and listen and open, listen with an open heart. We just ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. And wouldn't you like to have been there that day, standing there on the Mount of Olives there and, and, and watching the disciples? as Jesus was speaking to them, as as he was preaching and and encouraging them. And as he was talking, I don't know if he was, as he was talking, he he started ascending up into the clouds or maybe after he was done talking, he just stood there uh, uh, praying with them or whatever, but he started ascending. He started raising up into the heavens and and the disciples are just watching and it'd been fun to stand there and watch their jaws drop, you know, as as Christ rose again. We probably wouldn't have watched too much because our jaws would have been dropped too as we watched Christ ascend. Into heaven that day. And you know, the most amazing part was Peter was in absolute silence. You know, Peter, you know, always had something to say, right? Peter always had some kind of comment to say about something. And yet he was, all of them were there in silence. Staring into heaven, watching Christ as he ascended into heaven. And and fortunately, and with mercy, I guess, uh, uh, two angels finally came to break the silence and and kind of snap them out of their trance there and said, this Jesus, this Jesus that has been taken up from you, he will come again in the like manner as you watched him go into heaven. He's going to come again. What a tremendous promise was given to the disciples there. And it's also been given to each one of us as part of the church of Jesus today. We have that same promise that's been given to us. I think sometimes because it happened so long ago, we forget this promise. And we forget that it was given to us and what it means to us. And we want to talk about that today. Um, And there's two parts to this promise. And I think we need to understand these two parts in order to really get an understanding Understanding of this promise that God made for us here. The first part of the promise here that God made is that he was taken up. Jesus was taken up out of their presence here. You know, we've all had people that have have moved on to new places and move on to new new jobs or whatever. And you know, you've heard the saying probably, "Parting is such sweet sorrow." You know, and, and you know, while 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 they're leaving, and it brings sadness to us our hearts because we're going to miss uh, uh, their presence and and miss all that that person means to us. Uh, but uh, at, at times like that, you know, Jesus uh, is still right here with us, even though we're missing him. You know, you, you probably wish that Jesus was here. More in a personal presence, but He is with us. We can talk with Him, and we may be not able to see Him face to face. But He is here. He knows us. He knows what's going on in our lives, and He He enjoys being with us. And there's two blessings because Jesus left. If He had not left, we would not get to experience these blessings that God has brought for us. And there's these two blessings. The first one is found in John chapter 14. If you want to look over there, a lot of us probably have that verse memorized uh, in John chapter 14, uh, Jesus had been talking with the disciples. This is right uh, before he was be, going to be crucified. And uh, he's telling the disciples and trying to prepare them, explain to them that he's going away, that he's going to be crucified, that he is going to die. And the, the disciples are understandably becoming upset and they're becoming anxious and, and, and stressed. Uh, about the things that Jesus has told them there. And, and so he, he gives us the, these words of encouragement here in John chapter 14. It says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And the fact that Jesus Departed means he's going to come again. But in that interim period, Jesus is here with us. He's here with us. He's there. He's, he's right beside us. He's taking care of us. And, and, and we can look forward to his coming, but that does not mean that he is not watching over us and taking care of us even today. Let not your heart be troubled. And I like that phrase, you believe in God, believe also in me. If we trust in God, we can trust in Jesus with the same uh, power and the same strength as we believe in God. We can trust that he's going to be right here with us, that he's going to watch over, he's going to strengthen us, he's going to empower us, he's going to take care of us. So while he may have left us, and he may be gone from our presence at this time, we know he's coming back and we can look forward to that time, but in the meantime, we know that he's still here with us and he's taking care of us and watching over us. The second thing that he, the blessing that we have because he left is in John chapter 16 just a couple of chapters over John chapter 16 verse number 7 and Jesus is in the garden now he's praying right before again before his trial and his crucifixion and verse number 7 he says nevertheless I tell you the truth it is evident for you that I go it is expedient for you that I go away for if I go away the comforter will not come let me get all the words in here properly because they're all important. It says, "If I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you." And so Jesus said, if I don't leave, the Holy Spirit can't come to indwell you, to fill your life, to empower you, to help you carry out the mission that, that he has set before the church to spread the good news that Jesus is alive, that he is risen again and he has salvation for them. That Holy Spirit would not be able to come. That Holy Spirit that gives us a rebirth, uh, uh, that causes uh, us to have that rebirth uh, of of salvation when we ask Jesus to save us, the the power of the Holy Spirit that enables us to become more like Christ, to to, to be changed and transformed uh, into the likeness of Jesus Christ, that Holy Spirit that is there to fill us and empower us, to help us pray when we don't know what to pray, that Holy Spirit that that helps us through those, those deep thoughts and those deep issues in our lives, those things that are so hard for us, that Holy Spirit would not have come if Jesus had not departed. And so that promise starts out with the fact that he departed from us, uh, and he's even now in heaven, but that does not mean he's right down here beside us, that, that, that helping us to live the Christian life, struggling uh, uh, on our own. We don't have to struggle on our own. Christ is here with us. But even though we have that first part of the promise, the second part of the promise is that Jesus is coming back. Jesus has left, but the second part of the promise is that Jesus is coming back. The angels told the disciples standing there on the Mount of Olives, he said he will come back in the same manner that he leaves. Isn't it amazing that so much uh, uh, focus is on a little nation called Israel? There, as they stood on Mount Olivet. Jesus, I'm coming back to this place. And it seems like every time we turn around in our news cycle, there's always some news about Israel. Things are always coming back to Israel. I mean, look at the last couple days with everything going on with Hamas and and Israel and, and everything going on there. Why, you know, Ukraine's a bigger war. Why isn't they more focused on Ukraine? That's kind of fell into the background now. Why is it all on Israel? Because Israel is such an important place. Jesus promised to return. Jesus promised to come back uh, to the Mount of Olives. There, he, he, and we're constantly drawn back to this country, this, this little nation of Israel, which such small landmass. I don't know how big it is physically, but I know it's, it's smaller, a lot smaller than the state of Kansas. I mean, it's a small country, and yet so much attention is always focused on Israel and the coming back of the Israel, and it should be. Uh, Even the amount of people that are in Israel are small in comparison to other cities and other nations, and yet the focus always comes back to Israel. Zechariah gives us a little understanding about this in the book of Zechariah. Zechariah lived during a time where um, uh, the children of Israel had returned back to Jerusalem from Babylon, uh, they were surrounded by their enemies. They were trying to rebuild their walls. They were trying to uh, rebuild the temple here. Uh, uh, they were discouraged, but uh, Zechariah is trying to encourage them uh, as, they, as they build up uh, Jerusalem and try to rebuild Jerusalem here. And he gives them these encouragements. And we find in Zechariah 14, verse 2, Two, he starts out here, I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle and the city shall be taken and the house rifled and the women ravished and half of the city shall go forth into captivity and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. I mean, for a prophet that's trying to encourage the people, that's not very encouraging, is it? <laughs> that's not very encouraging words, all the, all the things he's saying there that, the, about the troubled times. Uh, but he goes on to write here uh, and, and tell what Jesus has promised there in verse 3. Uh, says, Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations as when he fought in the, in the day of battle. Um, and his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof, thereof towards the east and towards the west. And there shall be a great valley, and half of the mountains shall re- uh, remove towards the north, and half of it towards the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, and to the valley of the mountains shall, uh, shall reach unto Azel. Yea, ye shall flee like as ye fled before uh, from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah, and the Lord my God shall come and all the saints with thee. And it shall come to pass in that day that the light shall not uh, be clear nor dark. And ye, it shall be one day uh, which shall be known to the Lord, not day nor night. And it shall come to pass that at the evening time it shall be light. And in verse 9 it says, The Lord shall be king over all the earth. And in that day shall there be one God or one Lord and his name one so he promised jerusalem there he promised israel that one day God would return to set up his kingdom here on this earth. All the nations would battle against them. All the nations would uh, uh, come against them, but God was still in control. God was still in power. God was still going to have victory at that time. He would come back again and and conquer those nations and rule over them. He wasn't going to come back as he came the first time as a baby in a manger, quietly, uh, 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 silently. He would come back with judgment and with power as he stepped down on the mountain, I think, I don't remember which movie it was, but he talked, this one superhero was learning how to land properly, and he comes crashing in after flying, and he comes down with this, and they call it the superhero landing, you know, and Jesus is going to come back on the Mount of Olives with that superhero landing, you know, he's going to come back to rule and to reign and with judgment on the nations there, and we're coming back to that. And it says no matter what the circumstances around us, we got to always remember that God is in control. God is a sovereign God, and no matter how bad things are getting, uh, Jerusalem has been through some terrible things. But no matter how bad things are getting, God is always in control. There will come a day when he will come, and in final judgment, he will step in and he will intervene. He will keep his promise to us that, it's, that he's coming again. Now, can you imagine for a moment that this church—it's—it's like a museum. You know, we—we have uh, people that are patrons that come and visit the museum, and we have curators, uh, people that are kind of taking charge of the museum. They're in charge overseeing uh, the activities and things that go on in in this museum here. And and here we have the, the preserve the history of the recorded life of Jesus here. And every Sunday we gather together in this museum and we discuss and we we go over the history historical significance of the life of Christ and, and all that his presence means and, and all, of, all that the story is and how important it is. Uh, we, we look at the teachings of Jesus and we learn from them. Uh, He gives us examples of how to live a better life and how to live a more Christian life. And and during the week, uh, sometimes we get together even more to discuss more about His teachings in in little private sessions and private Bible studies. We sing uh, songs that make us feel good. We pray prayers that can give us hope and comfort. Uh, and on special days, you know, we come together we celebrate the birth of Jesus and we celebrate his resurrection on, on Resurrection Sunday. And, and we even have guests occasionally come and tour our museum and, and learn about Jesus and find out about Jesus. And, and you know, all that, that's, that's pretty important. And, and the, the lives in that museum, that, that, that seems pretty important. But what is the relevancy of all that? What is the relevancy of having all that? You know, it's easy to believe in the birth of Jesus. At, at Christmas time, the world celebrates the birth of Jesus. It's getting more and more forgotten, but we do celebrate the birth of Jesus. Uh, we have hope and, and love that was born on Bethlehem. Even the Times Magazine, you know, the, the, uh, the uh, uh, conservative Christian theology magazine, right? You know, the Times Magazine, they, every, every Christmas time, they speak about the birth of Jesus and the historical fact That Jesus was born here. Uh, Most of the major religions of the world will agree that someone was born in a manger. That the birth and life of Jesus accurately fulfilled hundreds of prophecies in scriptures. As Christians, we believe that this child born in a manger was Jesus, the the Savior of mankind. It's easy to believe in the birth of Jesus. Such good news. And, And, you know, believing in the resurrection, that's a little bit harder you know, to, to to believe that somebody could rise from the dead. Uh, but, you know, as we discussed this morning, there's this morning there's hundreds of witnesses to that evidence. Or there's many things that were written uh, during that time period, historians that wrote about the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, and, and John was exiled, all the apostles died completely, claiming the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, um, There's millions that have a personal relationship uh, because of the resurrected Jesus Christ. Um, And so we can believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's a little bit harder than believing his birth. But I think the hardest thing for us to believe, the hardest thing for us really to comprehend, to get a hold of, is that Jesus is going to come back again. After how he was treated the first time, why would he want to come back, right? You know? But that could be the hardest thing for us to believe. And as the world cares less and less about God, they care less and less about Jesus coming again, about his return. Many people, even in the church today, don't really believe that Jesus is going to come back again. And I think some of that's because it's 2,000 years, and we've kind of lost that vision. We've lost that hope that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is going to return, and are we waiting for him? Uh, We philosophize about the return, but do we really believe it? The kingdom of God will be ushered in to the work of this church, to the work of the church of God in this world. He will return. Matthew 24 tells us it's going to be as in the days of Noah. You know, Noah built, worked on his ark for 120 years, as we've learned as we've studied in Sunday school in the book of Genesis, uh, or is that Sunday morning? Uh, 120 years. He preached that there was going to come a flood. God was going to judge this world. The, the, the world would be destroyed. And yet only eight people got on that ark that day. Nobody believed. Nobody understood what was going to happen. And it says, as in the days of Noah, and I think we're kind of in those days that people don't believe. You tell them that Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. He's going to judge this world. He's going to judge sin. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah. I don't believe that. But there's salvation for you. You don't have to go through that. Yeah, all right. I'll believe that when I see it. You know, that's going to be too late. It's going to be too late, but they don't understand. The disciples, the followers of Jesus, they believe that Jesus is ascended. Had, had ascended into heaven. They believed that the promise that he was going to come back again. And they believed that his, his, his coming back would challenge this world. It, they would cause people to listen to the truth about Jesus. And, you know, we've got to get desperate and feel the desperation of the people around us. A world that's so confused. A world that's fearful and anxious. Anxious. A place where morality has been delegated to just relative, whatever you think, whatever you feel. Philosophy has become subjective. There is not truth. It's just however, whatever you interpret it as. People are depressed and empty and bottomless. Families are falling apart. Can't have a cohesive family anymore. Children are killing children. Children. In this world where, where people are hungry for answers, they want answers to their questions, the meaning of life, why am I here? Where people are willing to follow even, even those most bizarre notions that seem to, to offer no hope whatsoever. Again, I refer you back to the stories that happened this past week. The people following Hamas and thinking, just wiping out the Jews as the answer to all their problems and killing people. They follow these bizarre things that offer no hope. People need to know the truth about Jesus. They need to know that Jesus is alive. They need to know that Jesus is coming back. We who have that relationship with Jesus, those that have trusted in Christ, those that have received the forgiveness that God has given us, those that have that relationship with Jesus and have a confidence of peace and strength, we need to be that testimony. We need to be the ones that all have an offer of hope to this world that is so desperate. You know, proclaiming his, his promise is not popular. Proclaiming the fact that Jesus is coming back is not necessarily political, politically correct. It's not easy. A lot of people will argue that Jesus is not going to come back but we need to stand firm on the truth that Jesus has given us. We need to live a life like Jesus is coming back tomorrow. Are we ready for him to come back? No, we are not curators of a museum. We're not curators. We're not caretakers of a museum. We are called to live the promise of Jesus' return. We are called to to move forward with action, not to blindly look backwards at what Jesus has done, not to stand looking up, gazing at where Jesus has left from, but to be looking forward to his return, to be getting the work done that he's established for us, to bring those things forward. You know, that gives us two questions that we need to to think about today, two things that we need to end with today. Today. And the first one is when he returns, because he's promised to return, so he is coming back. When he returns, will you be ready to go with him and spend eternity with him? Or will you be ready to spend eternity without him, separated from him? An eternity without hope, an eternity without life, an eternity without any love. Are you ready for that? Jesus sent Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so we could have forgiveness of sins. And until those sins are forgiven, we are enemies with God. We are enemies with Him. We're at war with Him. And that isn't a war that we could even hope to win. Because when the judgment of Jesus, when the judgment of God comes against our sin, it is death. It is death. It's separation from God. It's an eternity in hell. But Jesus came and gave his life so that we have eternal life. He rose again, conquering death, conquering the grave, giving us eternal life. So now that when he come back, when Jesus comes back, we can live with him. We can rule and reign with God. We can live on this earth with him. Are you ready for that day? If you haven't asked Jesus to save you, if you haven't confessed your sins to him and said, Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't go to heaven. I know there's no way I can be good enough. I can't do enough things to get to heaven. But I believe Jesus came and died for my sins because he loved me so much. I believe you love me. and I want you to save me. I want you to be my savior. I want you to be Lord of my life. I want to live for you if you've never came to that point in your life, I ask you today, make sure today you make that decision that you turn your life to Jesus. You accept him and and ask him to save you so that when he returns, you'll be ready. You'll be prepared. You'll be ready for heaven when he comes again. The second question is, is just almost important because for us that know that he has saved us, for us that really truly believe that Jesus is coming again, for us that have experienced the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ in our life, who do we need to tell? Who do we need to tell the good news to? It said Noah preached 120 years. I'm sure after about 50 years of that, he was getting pretty tired. Nobody was helping him. Nobody was joining getting on board with him. Nobody seemed like they really—they were just ridiculing him, probably throwing tomatoes at him. You know, but he preached 120 years the message that God had gave him, that there was salvation. If you will get on the ark, when the storm comes, you will be saved. And yet nobody listened to him. You know, God didn't say we're going to have a whole bunch of people listen and follow us, but he did tell us to tell the message, to tell people about Jesus, to get that message out, to believe it so much in our hearts that we have to tell others. We can't hold on to that message. Who do you need to tell? I'd like everybody for a few moments to bow your head and close your eyes this, this morning. As we end today, maybe there's one here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Savior. And if you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart, I encourage you right now, Come. Come right now. We'll take the Bible. We'll show you what Jesus says. We'll show you the way of salvation, how you can be ready for Jesus to return, how you'll be ready for him to come again. If the Lord is pricking your heart, if the Lord is touching your life today about that, I ask you to get with me. Get with pastor when he returns, but don't put it off. We don't know how many days we have. The Bible tells us life is as a vapor. It vanishes away. Don't take too long to make that decision for Jesus Christ. But make that. Be ready for His return. And who do you need to tell? Who do you love the most in your life? Have you told them about Jesus? Do you know for sure that they are going to heaven? Have you told them about Jesus? We need to tell them the good news. We need to tell them the power of the promise that God has made us, that I will come again. And we are looking forward to that day and we want you to be there with us on that day. Trust Jesus Christ. Tell them. As we close in prayer, I ask you to pray in your heart for that person. Pray for that special person that God will tell you and show you and give you the power this week to share the gospel message with them to talk to them in some small way about Jesus. We had an event this Friday, and we shared We, we shared with a lot of people, and I, we didn't really talk about Jesus dying for them and Jesus coming again, but we put our foot in the door. We got a mention of, of the church that was here that could, could, could be here for them. And sometimes that's all we gotta do is just start the conversation. We gotta start the conversation so the Holy Spirit can continue to work in their lives. Heavenly Father, today, we see that this wonderful promise that you gave the disciples and through the disciples you've given to us, that just as you ascended into heaven that day, you will come again. But when you come again, it will be power and and with might. You will come to judge this world of the terrible wickedness. You will judge them for their rejection of the salvation that you've given them. You'll judge them for their disbelief in a holy and mighty God. Lord, I pray that each one here today has has had a time in their life where they have accepted you as a Savior. If there's one here today that doesn't know you, that even today the Holy Spirit will begin working in their lives, that soon they will make that decision to accept you and to live for you in a mighty way. Lord, we pray for each one that is thinking about a friend, a loved one, in their hearts today, that they that need to know about Jesus, Lord, I, I pray that you will give them the opportunity, that the Holy Spirit will empower them in a special way. He will go above and beyond the, what we think we can do. That we'll be able to share the gospel message with a friend. We'll see them come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We'll see them turn from hell and and turn towards heaven. Lord, I pray that we will see much fruit from the understanding that Jesus is coming again in our lives. We just ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.